I'm Laura Murphy-Oates, and this is The Full Story. The number of food delivery riders has increased during the pandemic as more people stay home rather than go out to restaurants. But the job comes with risks, especially for those delivery riders on a bicycle. During the pandemic, ordering food delivery via an app has become an even bigger part of how many people live their lives. It's also been a source of employment in insecure times. But at the core of this industry is a shocking lack of rights for these delivery riders who often work in dangerous conditions for little pay. This week, two were killed in traffic accidents. The Transport Workers' Union is renewing its campaign for better protection. They died at work in a gig economy, which overwhelmingly means insecure work, low pay, and utterly diminished industrial rights for workers. Now, after multiple deaths and with two state inquiries, these conditions are coming to light. We must close the loopholes that allow companies to exploit and endanger gig economy workers. Every worker has the right to come home safe from their workplace. Today, the gig economy and the dark side of the food delivery industry. It's Friday, the 13th of November. Get ready for candy. Wall-to-wall, eye-popping, flavor-bursting candy. With Candy Crush Saga, you can enjoy three whole weeks of candy celebrations with loads of fun challenges and some sweet, sweet rewards if you top the leaderboards, like Unlimited Lives. Then on November 20th, finish it with a bang with a gift of unlimited color bombs for 24 hours. Play Candy Crush Saga now to join in the candy celebrations. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Naaman, can you tell us a bit about what life is like as a food delivery rider? Uh, well, it's pretty bloody awful. Naaman Zoe is a reporter at Guardian Australia. So these people are what are called gig economy workers. So you don't have guaranteed work and effectively your boss is an app. You can log on when you want and start work when you want, but there's no guarantee there'll be any shifts or that you'll make any money. You can get kicked off if you're late with an order or if you get a bad review. You're riding around on an e-bike or a mountain bike or a scooter at all times of the day and night and in all weather conditions. And you have to supply this transport yourself. Mm. Most importantly, under current Australian labour laws, these deliverers aren't considered employees. So they have no sick leave, definitely no annual leave, no real boss to complain to if they're being harassed or feel unsafe and a very different and lesser kind of workers compensation if something does go wrong. That sounds like a pretty terrible work situation. Why why do people work in this space? Well, in the past few months, uh, a lot of the people I've spoken to basically said they had no choice. So, for example, in Melbourne, where a lot of the restaurants or the gyms, or a lot of the workplaces had to shut down due to the pandemic. Mm. A lot of those people who used to work either making food or serving you food in a restaurant turned to food delivery for companies like Uber Eats or Menulog or DoorDash to stay afloat. Hello. Hi, nice to meet you. Yeah, nice meeting you too. And that's what happened to 
36-year-old Chow Kai-shian. He was working as a chef in Melbourne when the pandemic hit. Tell me a bit about um, Kai-shian, you know, as a brother, as a person, and, you know, what you knew about his, his work. Yeah. Okay, so, um, yeah, he, he came to, like, Australia for, like, almost five years. Kai-shian was from Malaysia, and I spoke to his sister, Kai-sing, who currently lives in Singapore. So he, he was holding like a student visa, but he also worked as a chef for part-time. Kai Singh also said that... Did he send money back or was he sort of saving or...? Yes, he, he is a very filial son. So, you know, someone who was very devoted to his family, who cared for his mother. He told yeah. us that uh, if he can work in Australia, uh, he would be able to save more money. And then he once told us that he wants to buy a car for my mom. I mean, I mean like, we do have a car, but it's not those like imported car. So he told my mom that he would like to buy a car for her to like, yeah, a bet- better safety on the road. When the Melbourne lockdown happened, what happened to Kai Xian? So... Kai Xian was ineligible for any job keeper or job seeker payments. His sister told me that when the pandemic happened, their family really encouraged Kai Xian to come back to Malaysia. But the airline, I mean, like tickets really hard to book. So, and the condition in Malaysia is not so good as well. So he just told us that, uh, yeah, probably he can just stay in uh, Australia a while and then uh, wait for a better time that uh, he can come back to Malaysia. In the meantime, he started working for Uber Eats, uh, but then moved to DoorDash, delivering food on his scooter, which really worried his mum, because their family had an uncle who had died in a motorbike accident. My mum's brothers, which is my uncle, passed away in a like, car accident, like, which he was a motorcyclist as well. So that's why my mum is very concerned when, he know, when she know that he was actually um, like riding a motorcycle. So his mum would check up on Kai Xian every day to make sure he was safe. Um, like he checked every every morning when she wake up. So, oh, okay, when my brother sleep. Because, you know, on Facebook, there's a last scene. Last scene is a feature on Facebook where you can see when a person was last active on the site or on their phone. Yeah, so that's how my my mom like check on him every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but she she told me that she was still sleeping well on Saturday because we all thought that she probably just he probably just lost his phone. And then on Saturday, the twenty fourth of October this year, the family realized they hadn't heard from Kaishian for twenty six hours, which was unusual for him. We all thought that he probably just lost his phone. His sister, Kai Singh, said she read about an accident in Melbourne, a car crash where someone on a scooter had been hit. As I, I thought it wasn't him because people were saying that uh, it's another racist Indian. So, so during that day, that evening, me and my husband was like just praying it was not him. Then she asked around on social media, asking if people knew where her brother was. And I um, had to post it on social media to find out where is my brother. Then on the Monday, she got a call from the Malaysian consulate. And they told me about this bad news. Saying Kai Xian had died in that car crash. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, that's what happened. And we are all very shocked for what happened. And we, we still hope that he's just... 
Lula just lost lost his phone. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Do we know anything else about the circumstances of Kaishian's death? According to Victorian police, Kaishian was hit by someone driving an allegedly stolen car at the intersection of King and Latrobe Street in the Melbourne CBD at 7pm on Saturday. He was taken to hospital, but he later died. He was in the middle of a delivery ride for DoorDash. And what's really concerning is that Kaishian is actually the third food delivery rider who's died on the job in the space of a month. He's just one of three. Who are the other two? Early in October, two deliverers in Sydney, Didi Freddy, who was a 36-year-old Uber Eats rider, and Xiaojin Chen, a 43-year-old worker for a delivery app called Hungry Panda, were killed in separate road accidents in the space of less than a week. Xiaojun had a wife and two young children who are aged 8 and 15, and Didi left behind a wife and a young son uh, in Indonesia. I can only imagine the, the grief that these families are dealing with, but on top of that is a financial consideration, right? Will they be compensated for this by these apps? So in Australia, if you are classified as an employee, you and your family are entitled to legislated amounts of workers' compensation if you have been injured or killed while on the job. This varies from state to state. So in New South Wales, for example, employees' families are entitled to a lump sum of over $800,000 and $150 a week for each dependent child until they turn 16. In Victoria, it's around a $600,000 lump sum payment. But as I mentioned earlier, these riders we're talking about aren't legally classified as employees. They're considered contractors. So their families can't access these schemes. Okay, so are they eligible for any money at all? It is a bit of a grey area. So it will depend on the company who you work for and it will depend on what kind of insurance package they provide for you. Most of the time, it's actually unclear, and for some of these families, they still don't actually know the precise amount that they're entitled to. Mm. One example we do know is Uber Eats. Under their scheme, we know that the dependents of a deliverer who works for them, they're eligible for a maximum of a $400,000 lump sum and then potentially $5,000 each for each spouse or dependent. But that isn't guaranteed. So an amount, but definitely not the same as a full-time employee. Yes. It's very, very unlikely that any amount that they offer will be equal to what you would get under the law if you're employed. Mm. And what happened in the case of Kaishian? And for DoorDash, yes, they did offer some help. So their insurance company in Australia actually contacted me. For Kaishian, DoorDash has offered to pay funeral costs. So, and the person uh, that's supporting sitting in US also called me. So they offer me for the help on the funeral expense and other expense, but there is nothing black and white yet. But Kai Singh said they're still in negotiations for compensation for his death. And it's a similar situation for the other two drivers who were killed. 
in terms of the amount though, is there, you know, is it in the hundreds of thousands or is it below that? It's below that. It's, it's below a hundred thousand. Of course. <laughs> Minus one zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fine. That yeah, don't need to say any more, but that's um I think that's so different to what the if the law would be if yes, it was of course. A DoorDash spokeswoman told Guardian Australia the company would pay for funeral expenses for Kaishian and offer additional financial support. Next, the broader gig economy goes under the spotlight. So we have a situation where because of the precarious nature of employment for these delivery riders, when they die on the job, their family may be receiving less compensation than usual. What else do we know about these delivery riders and their lack of rights? Well, we actually heard uh, a lot about this uh, this week. Technological and other changes on the future of work and workers in New South Wales. At a New South Wales Parliament Select Committee into the gig economy. Uh, Today is the first of several hearings we plan to hold for this inquiry. Four current writers there actually spoke about their experiences. Could each witness, starting from my left, please start uh, state their name? One was Esteban Salazar. Uh, a student from Colombia. Thank you. Mr Salazar, would you like to make an opening statement? Of course. <clears throat> um, I arrived in Australia in March and I work for Uber Eats since April. On the 20th of September, Esteban was delivering food in heavy rain in Surrey Hills in Sydney when he slipped and was struck by a light rail tram. And the tram collided with my right side of my body. And since the accident, I have been experiencing pain in my back and in my knees. And Uber Eats covered me for the time of work of 30 days through their insurance job. And since then, I have been without an income. And also, I have to attend some medical expenses by my own. Esteban wasn't eligible for the workplace compensation that employees are. And it was another grey area that depended on his contract with one company. So it was very difficult for me, for example, when I had the accident. I had to go to the doctor and I didn't know that I wasn't covered by work compensation. It was, it was very harsh to realise that I wasn't covered by work compensation like any other worker in this country. Yeah. I had to do like some different process and realise that I wasn't covered properly. Yeah, that, that goes to the issue of the contract, which I've heard from um, Mr Cow that can be... What did he get in terms of any sort of compensation for being injured on the job? Well, in this case, uh, for Uber Eats, they covered him for some time off work. Which is maximum 30 days. And they have to prove that I was actually on trip working. Uh, otherwise, they would not give me any money. Okay. So if I was sick... For other circumstances, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to apply for, for that benefit. I had to, to suffer the injury when I was on trip. But since then, he has been unable to work, hasn't had any income, mm. and he's had to pay for all of his medical expenses on his own. He told the inquiry, basically, 
they don't cover that. The thing is, most of the people that do Uber Eats in the streets are international students. Um, and then another point that pretty much everyone raised is that many of these riders are from overseas. They are international students or recent migrants, and English is not their first language. So knowing their legal rights and navigating these contracts and this compensation is naturally very hard. Uh, most of us don't know, uh, don't have very good English skills, which is very difficult for us to know all the policies related with our contracts. Tell me a little bit more about that. What, what is the makeup of this workforce? So a uh, 2019 survey by the Young Workers Centre, uh, which is an initiative of the Victoria Trades Hall Council, found that the average age of a writer is 26 and three quarters are temporary visa holders like international students or people on working holiday or bridging visas. Just one in 10 surveyed was an Australian citizen. Mm. That study also found these food delivery couriers were being vastly underpaid. Okay, how much are we talking about here? How much would someone make, uh, you know, in an hour, in a day or, or even a week? So this question is very hard to answer. That 2019 survey estimated that gig economy delivery riders are being underpaid by up to $322 a week compared to minimum rates of pay and super in the transport award, which is the award they would fall under if they were employees. But the gap could potentially be even more now because of the way that these apps have behaved during the pandemic. For example, we spoke to a deliverer in Melbourne who only started working for Menulog during the pandemic after the job she had in the fitness industry was closed down. So the first week she did it, she made $960, but then that started going down. In week two, it was 800 and that's before any of her expenses. Then it went down to 680 360 and then 195 the week after that. On one day, she made $31, which after you factor in petrol and food for her, meant that she was down $48. So why was her pay going down? Why has she made less overtime? Well, something that we heard at the inquiry was that food deliverers are saying that their hourly rates of pay have actually been steadily cut during the pandemic. How did you find out? Just suddenly you just don't get paid the same amount of money. One writer... Diego Franco said because we in each order we we know um, based on the distance of the order mm-hmm. how much money we we are making on that specific distance so when they were paying let's say 10 bucks for a trip for say two kilometers they were paying now eight or even less than that even as demand rises because customers are just at home and they have many people willing to work on, on these jobs because they don't have any other option. So what they do, they make more money because they're high demand and, pay, and also pay less for us because there's too many people willing to work on this company. So they, they earn in both sides. These companies are profiting now on both sides of the equation. And there's nothing these riders can do because the company has all the power to change the price of the delivery 
and their rate of pay. I got no choice. I had to stay on. I had to do it, and and not just me. Um, for me, I just want to stay within the industry so I understand it better. But some of these people, uh, the other two witnesses here, it's a life. It's their inc- main source of income. They have no choice. It's, it's that's what I call extortion. That's what it is. Right. Um, what else can you call it? Can I, I'm just conscious that we've got two minutes left. Mr. Mallet has a quick question. Yeah, I just... Right, and this job, even at the best of the times, people have to work in pretty precarious conditions on the road and, and going into people's properties. And on top of that, they're working in a pandemic. I mean, that's significantly more dangerous. Yeah, I mean, it is. They are putting their lives on the line by interacting with the public, as well as the risk that they take being out on the road as much as they are. Uh, I think Kai Singh put it best when she said that. Being a foot rider is really a hero, I would say, during this lockdown period. So because they are the only person that can do the delivery and we all human, we all need to eat. So yeah, they, they are really the hero on the road right now for this during this lockdown period. I really salute them. From what you've described so far, it sounds like the business model of some of these food delivery companies are based on exploitative work practices. Do you see this changing anytime soon? Yeah, it's a very interesting question because I think the gig economy is here to stay. The fact of the matter is this is the way that the majority of people do seem to want to order food and it is a way that people choose to work because of that flexibility. But that doesn't mean that we have to accept all of the poor working conditions of these riders. A lot of these employment issues can actually be fixed really easily with legislation. What sort of legislation? What could governments change? Instead of trying to shoehorn people into either contractor or employee, governments can actually just add another classification, say, you know, call it gig worker, Hmm. and then give them a distinct set of certain rights. Uh, It's sort of as easy as just adding extra clauses or protections. You can add extra clauses to certain workers' compensation acts that would say that this covers workers rather than employees specifically, which would expand the protections that these people get for workers' compensation. Okay, so... The pathway is there. It doesn't sound too complicated. Is there support for it? Is there some movement towards it? One of the terms of reference for that New South Wales inquiry is to look at reforming workplace laws for gig economy workers. Uh, The inquiry is due to report back next year, so we will likely have to wait till then. Victoria is also looking at this pretty strongly. They also have an inquiry into the gig economy happening now. But other than that, There's not that much movement, especially nationally, or any concrete plans to legislate this as of now. Mm. Okay, so in the meantime, what should we be doing as consumers? I mean, if you or I order from these apps, are we contributing to this exploitation of, of the riders? Probably yes. The other thing that also has to be mentioned is that it's actually not good for the restaurants either. They all take a cut from the restaurant. Uh, It varies depending on which app you use. Mm. But companies like Uber work very hard to make sure that they are the only option for restaurants and the riders to bring you food. 
depending on the profit margin of your favorite local restaurant, some of them will be making no money or even a loss on every order they fulfill through delivery. So if you really want to support them, you probably should just pick it up directly from the storefront. Or you can order from places that actually have their own deliverers as employees. I mean, has it changed how you think about ordering food? Do you, I imagine reporting on this would just mean that you have so many calculations going through your head every time you go to order Uber Eats? Oh, absolutely. It has definitely stopped me from um, ordering delivery food. And, you know, I take now a special but small pride in actually going there and calling them, calling them up and picking it up from the shop directly. Hmm. Okay, Naaman, thank you so much. Thanks, Laura. We approached Uber, DoorDash and Menulog for comment on this episode. DoorDash highlighted that the company and the Transport Workers Union have signed an agreement on COVID-19 protections for dashes in Australia, which includes insurance for on-the-job injuries, financial assistance for dashes who are affected by COVID-19, and the provision of personal safety equipment. Menulog states that couriers have live access to their team via the Menulog Courier app at all times while on a delivery run and have access to protective gear. They also have exceptional financial support payments for any courier that becomes unwell or needs to self-isolate. Uber states that they have taken proactive steps to introduce a partner support and protection package for driver and delivery partners across Australia, and that they have led the way in instituting this type of coverage. They've also recommended that governments consider introducing a mandatory requirement for all platform businesses to set minimum standards for insurance. The full statements from each company are available on the Full Story page. That's it for today. Thanks to Naaman Zoe for his time. He has been doggedly following this story for a while now, and you can read some of his reporting at theguardian.com. Plus, we've put a few links on the Full Story page. This episode was produced by Ellen Lee Beater and Joe Koning. Our executive producers are Miles Martignoni and Gabrielle Jackson. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a rating or a review. Okay, catch you next week. party has started and your invite is still waiting i'm talking about the candy crush candy party of course don't miss the three weeks of candy celebrations with candy crush saga there are loads of fun challenges and some sweet sweet rewards if you top the leaderboards like unlimited lives then on november 20th finish it with a bang with a gift of unlimited color bombs for 24 hours play candy crush saga now to join in the candy celebrations download it from the app store google play or windows store for free terms and conditions apply